Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Um, So welcome all our podcast listeners. Um, You guys are amazing. Thank you for joining us. We love you and you're part of the family. Um, Just before I get Leash to sit down, we've just been um, going through revival culture in church and what is revival culture? And let me just move this so I can move. Um, What is revival culture? And I'm going to be talking today about revival culture is courageous culture. But before that, I just wanted to share some testimonies of what God's been doing and people have been sending through this week. So we had one um, come through from Anne who a lady at work um, hurt her hand and she prayed for it. And then she came back the next day and it was healed. So that's awesome. Workmate got healed. So good. Um, Our kids, our beautiful kids department have been needing um, a computer for a while now. They've been talking about it because they sign kids in. And so they've been saying that they've had that need. They haven't expressed that openly to the church or to people. It's just something that the team had been talking about. And last week, a beautiful couple, it was last week or the week before, a beautiful couple um, in our church came up to the kids team and are donating a brand new um, computer to the kids team and a year's worth of internet. So that's awesome for our beautiful kids. So good. So good. We have another couple who was only just thinking about last week um, how long it's been since they've been able to go on a date night. They have um, kids and and then someone came to them and said that God had put on their heart for them to bless them with a night out to go out to dinner. So that was awesome. Yay. And then um, another lady in our church said that um, she had been going to the doctors um, and that she was in the early stages of getting blindness in her eyes and she had to get um, injections to delay that. So she's been believing for healing and she went back to the doctors this week and he had to double check her eyes because all signs of blindness is 100% gone and healed. Yeah. And the doctor had to recheck that it was even the right patient because he was like, wait a second, these are not your eyes. So, so exciting. So if you have more testimonies, if you have anything that God has been doing in your life, make sure that you send them through because I get encouraged when I read them. Um, And it just shows you guys what God is doing um, in the midst of us in Jesus' name. So make sure that either you let the office know, you let your connect leader know, you can go onto our website. We've got a little thing where you can log your testimonies in there and it sends it through to our email address, social media as well, um, because God is doing amazing things. Sound good? Let me just pray for us and then we'll go. Awesome. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Just as you're sitting there, church, just with your eyes closed, I just want to ask you this question. What did you come to church for this morning? Because our God is so incredible and He meets us at our level of expectation and our level of faith. And this morning as you're sitting there, I just want you to just reposition your heart for what are you believing God for this morning? What did you come for this morning? 
whether it was to just come and worship Him, to come and meet with your family, your church family. Maybe you need a miracle like what Benai was talking about before. Maybe you need a breakthrough this morning. Maybe it's even just been out of routine and you actually haven't even thought about why you're here. I want you to get a picture in your heart this morning of why, why you are here, why you've come, what's the purpose. Because for me this morning, it's not just another service. It's not just another time where we can come together. For me this morning, I'm really believing for breakthroughs. I'm really believing God to come and do something that He hasn't done before, that we haven't seen before. I'm believing for fear to be broken this morning, for discouragement to be broken this morning. I'm believing for an outpouring of God's love like never before. And Father, I thank you that you are here. And I thank you that there's nothing that I can say or I can do to try and force you or make you move. You want to. You want to. That your character and your nature is the supernatural. That your character and your nature is breakthrough, is provision, is healing. And Father, I thank you, God, that when we come before you with an open heart, with open hands to receive, that you are so faithful and you are so gracious, God, that you always turn up. You always turn up. There is no moment when we can access you that you, you don't show. You're always there, always. And this morning, God, I just ask for breakthrough. Father God, I ask for a supernatural shaking in the Spirit. It's like I see church, and I saw it in worship as well. There's like this rumbling under the surface, and it's like the pebbles on the, on the top, and maybe, maybe it's you, maybe you're the pebbles, are starting to shake and starting to bounce around on the ground because there's this rumbling inside the earth. There's this rumbling of the Spirit. And I can see it and I can feel it. And God wants to do it. And I have to remind us again, church, that God wants to do it, that He is enough, that there is something that's under the surface. There is something that's rumbling and stirring in the spiritual realm. And we have 100% access to it this morning. It's not a one-day event. It's not maybe in the future. It's not one day when we get there, when we pray enough, when we, I don't know, sing enough, when we worship enough, whatever it is, that one day, it's not a one day event. I actually believe that it is this morning and it's there and it's there to be accessed and it's there to break through, but it has to be up to our level of expectation of what God can do, of what God has for us, of what we're coming to Him with this morning. Open hands and open hearts. So Holy Spirit, come and shake us. Come and rumble and move and quake and cause us to just break this morning under the power of your presence and the supernatural because you are incredible and you want to do it. And so have access this morning. Holy Spirit, have access. I pray that you get rid of anything of me and all the people see this morning is you. All they hear this morning is you, your truth. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Leisha. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I am very excited. Let me have a drink. Um, We'll just get the first scripture up. Acts 10, verse 38, if you've got your Bibles. It's also going to be on the screen. I'm talking about revival culture is a courageous culture. So take a breath. (sighs) Strap in. (laughs) Let's go. Yeah? Let's actually... Come with me this morning, church, because I'm actually, yeah, I keep saying it, I'm excited, but I'm actually really excited. All right, so it says, this is in the Passion Translation. Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with great power. He was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with great power. He did wonderful things for others and divinely healed all who were under the tyranny of the devil, for God had anointed him. For God had anointed him. This morning we are talking about a courageous culture and I am focusing on our beautiful King Jesus because there is nothing as an example of courage to me except for him and his life. And I think sometimes as Christians we can kind of have that moment of salvation with Jesus and the cross and we read the Gospels and then we move on. And I think sometimes people think like, oh, you know, we'll go from salvation into the deeper things. And there are 100% deep things in the kingdom, mysteries and things that we are yet to discover. But we leave that moment of Jesus because we feel like that was just a moment of salvation. And I am so, I've been so challenged recently about Jesus and about the example of who he is. And I just think that he is 100% the one that in all things is all wrapped up, is all held together. And to go back to him in every moment that we can to see an example of how he lived his life, how he projected the Father is our perfect, perfect example. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at Jesus and then we're going to, yeah, go somewhere else. But for the first bit, Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with great power. He did wonderful things for others and divinely healed all who were under the tyranny of the devil for God had anointed him. If we see what Jesus did only as God, we become spectators. So if we see an example and we see that he was anointed and he did powerful things, we just become spectators of what God did. And we go, that's great, God. That was awesome. Like, come and do it again. But if we see what he did in human form, it becomes an example for us to follow. It's not what God can do, but what God can do through a man. I think I've got that quote on there. Yep. So I'll read it again. If we see what Jesus did only as God, we become spectators. But if we see what he did in human form, it becomes an example for us to follow. It's not about what God can do, but what God can do through a man. So we're going to look at Jesus. We're going to look at him because all through his life, He did incredible things. He was bold. He was courageous. He was offensive to the stationary. He was offensive to the religious. Um, But everything that he did, he did as, yes, totally God, but totally man. And for us this morning, when we're hearing these things and when we're refreshing our spirit and when we're thinking about being bold and courageous in our faith and in our revival culture, it's not just about Jesus as God. It's about Jesus as a man and what he accomplished with the Father. And I really believe that that's what we need to get a fresh revelation of this morning is not just us 
watching God do something, but us partnering with God and seeing him do something in and through us. It's not about you standing by and clapping and being a spectator and God going, oh God, you're awesome. Like, that's great. It's actually about God wanting to come and join with your life, harness and latch onto your life and to flow through you in the most powerful, remarkable way that is so courageous and is so bold. So Jesus never second-guessed himself. Why? Because he knew the Father. And John 13, 3 says, this is just before Jesus was crucified and he went and he was washing the disciples' feet. It says, now Jesus was fully aware that the Father had placed all things under his control. For he had come from God and was about to go back to be with him. Jesus was fully aware There was no question, there was no doubt, there was no issue in his mind about, is the Father with me? Do I know the Father? Am I able to do this? Should I step out? He was fully aware, he was fully convinced of his relationship with the Father. If he is our example, church, are we fully convinced this morning that everything that you do, everything that you're working out of is in tune with the Father? That you can have that boldness and that courageousness because you are so unapologetic, because you know that the Father is with you and working in and through you. He was fully aware. He was confident. He was courageous. It says that he only did what he saw the Father do. In John 8, 28, verse 29, it says, You will know me as I am. Again, this is Jesus. After you have lifted me up from the earth as the Son of Man, then you will realize that I do nothing on my own initiative, but I only speak the truth that the Father has revealed to me. I am his messenger and he is always with me. For I only do that which delights his heart. Jesus' example of revival. And this is what we have to keep coming back to, what we believe that we're in as a church. What is revival? Revival is seeing the lame walk, the blind receive their sight, which actually physically happened in our church. That's so cool. Um, To see, you know, the dead rise, to see salvations, to see healings, to see restorations. All of this comes from not just a nice idea out of Benar and I going, oh, we think that Celebration Church should be this. It comes out of the idea of what did Jesus see the Father do? What was his response to the heart of the Father? It wasn't just to sit stationary. It wasn't just to sit comfortably. He didn't just hang out with his disciples and eat all the time. He did that as well, which is important in Jesus' name. Yes, food. But he was so unapologetic about establishing the kingdom on earth. Everywhere he walked, everywhere he talked, he talked about the kingdom, the kingdom coming and presencing itself in his midst, that it was a reality that he saw because he saw the Father do it. When we're talking about being courageous and confident and bold this morning, that that is a revival culture. It's not just because it's a fake thing that we put on. It's because that deep down we know that we know that we know that this is the will of the Father. This is the Father's heart. This is kingdom culture. It's not about us just establishing a nice idea in Celebration Church. It's about us establishing the kingdom. In the kingdom, there's no sickness. So you can be courageous when you pray for the sick because there's no sickness. In the kingdom, there is no brokenness. So you can be courageous when you step out because you know the Father's heart is to heal and to set free and to restore the broken. You can be courageous when you go and you preach salvation to your friends and your family because there's no unsaved people in the kingdom. Like we actually need to get a little bit aggressive when it comes to, and just simplify, just simplify church. When we're talking about revival culture, 
when we're talking about stepping out and seeing God do incredible things, it's so simple. Whatever is in heaven is on earth. Whatever the Father's heart is should be our heart. That's it. And in that, and I love that Jesus was the expression of this. That's why he was confident. That's why he stepped out. That's why he healed the sick because he said, I only do what I see my father do. Of course, he's going to heal. Of course, he's going to love. Of course, he's going to be moved with compassion because he's so in tune with the father that it's just a natural expression of their relationship. Your natural expression of your relationship with the father is to step out in courage, is to step out in revival. That should be your natural expression of your relationship because you should be so moved by his heart. You should be so moved by his kingdom that it's not a question. It's not a question of, God, do you want me to pray for this person? Is this your will? It says his will is that none will perish, but all will have eternal life. So if we're questioning his will on whether we should ask for, you know, someone to come to church or not, You already know his will, church. You can be so courageous in the fact that he's already laid it out so plainly for us, so plainly for us. When he stepped out, when Jesus stepped out and acted out on what he saw the Father do, miracles always followed. And this is so cool, this verse in verse John 10, 25, and it's going to be on the screen. It's a little bit long, but it's really, really good. So it says, so let me just go back. So... He never second-guessed himself because he knew the Father. So their relationship was key. Then out of that relationship, he knew the will of the Father. So he knew that when he was stepping out, that he was only doing what he saw the Father do. Relationship first, knowing the will of the Father second. Then third, what happens? Miracles, because that's the heart of the Father. It says, Jesus answered them, I have told you the truth already and you did not believe me. The proof of who I am is revealed by all the miracles that I do in the name of my Father. Yet you stubbornly refuse to follow me because you are not my sheep. As I have told you before, my own sheep will hear my voice and I know each one and they will follow me. I give them the gift of eternal life and they will never be lost and no one has the power to snatch them out of my hands. My Father who has given them to me as a gift is the mightiest of all and no one has the power to snatch them from my Father's care. The Father and I are one. When they heard this, the Jewish leaders, which are the religious, were so enraged that they picked up rocks to stone him to death. And this is his response. I love Jesus. I love his response. He's just like, whatever. Um, Jesus said, My Father has empowered me to work many miracles and acts of mercy among you. So which one of them do you want to stone me for? Woo, burn! <laughs> And then it goes and it says, and then the crowd got so enraged and they got so upset that they actually did pick up stones. And it said that Jesus slipped away. So in that moment, Jesus, you know, obviously got out of there. But I love this. I love that it says, and let's just go back a little bit. It says, the proof of who I am is revealed by all the miracles that I do in the name of my Father. The proof of who Jesus was, was the miracles. It wasn't the words. It wasn't the kind. It wasn't just the kindness. It wasn't just the. It wasn't just the smiling at people as they crossed the road. The proof was in the miracles. If that was Jesus' proof, church, woo, I'm going to say it. What's ours? How does the world know? How does the world know that you're a Christian? Because you smile at them. 
That's powerful, yes, because you're kind. Yes, that's powerful. But Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who was perfectly God and perfectly man, said, the proof of who I am to you is in the miracles, is in the signs and the wonders that I am doing, is in when I reached out and I pull that leper to his feet, is when I spit in the mud and rub it in some dude's eye and he starts to see again. That proof is the proof that I am one with my Father. If that is Jesus' proof, I hope that brings a little bit of conviction in your heart. What is your proof? When you look at your weak church, what is your proof? What is the proof that you are one of Jesus' disciples? What is the proof that you are believing and you are lifting your hands every Sunday saying, God, come and do revival. We sing that song. We need a move. We need a move. Are you being the move, church? Are you being bold and courageous in your relationship with God that you are going, not because it's a good idea, not because I'm telling you to, not because you're feeling a little bit like, oh, I haven't really done anything this week and this is an awkward sermon to hear, um, but because you are actually so one with the Father that you are so in tune with his will, you are so in tune with his kingdom that it's just such a natural flow. It shouldn't be something that we stress over or we get worked up over or that we feel like, oh my gosh, I haven't prayed for anyone this week. I feel so bad. Not at all. And if you feel that, shake that off because that is not what I'm saying. I'm saying your response in your relationship with your father is that you know his will. In knowing his will, you know that he wants to heal You know that he wants to save. You know that he wants to set free. You know that he wants to see Nara and the Shawhaven be a place that is known as the great south land of the Holy Spirit, not with the highest suicide rates, which we're known for, not with the highest ice addiction, which is what we're known for. You should hear that and your heart should break, church. You should hear about the broken families in our city and the hurting and the addictions and you should just go, oh, That's not the will of the Father. That's not it. That's not what he has for us. That should actually stir you to the point of going, oh, don't you feel it? Like, Like, I work in a school and I love my workplace. I love my workplace. But I see every single day the destruction, the hurt, the sadness, the brokenness of not just our students, but our families. I hear stories all the time that kids tell me about where their families are at. It hurts and I'm moved and it does something in me that I go, God, that doesn't match up with my doctrine, with my God, with the Bible that I read every day. doesn't align. And if you told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, my natural, courageous, and this we're talking about courageous culture, it doesn't even need to be like a big like, oh, I'm being courageous today. Your courage should be so natural. It should be so normal because you see the world and you see the state of our city, you see the state of even your own families, your own streets, your own workplaces, and you go, that doesn't line up, God that there's something that does not fit, that does not sit right with me. So what do you do about it? You don't just keep coming Sunday after Sunday and sit. You don't just keep quiet and meek and in your corner and think, well, I'll smile at that person when I cross the road. 
Jesus' proof of who he was was his miracles. I challenge our celebration church that the proof of who we are, we need to be more than talkers. So many Christians talk, everyone talks. I've been in church my whole life, like what Vanaya has been as well. There's lots of conversation, there's lots of opinion, there's lots of, there's lots of noise going around in the body of Christ all the time. But what does it even say in his word? That the kingdom is not about words and ideas, but it is power. It is power. The proof of who we are as God's disciples is the power that moves within us because we're so one with the Father that we get it. We get it. And I love that Jesus says at the end of that, he just like, I feel like he's rubbing a little bit of sandpaper on their wound. My Father, do we still have that up there? The last verse 32, John 10, 32. My Father has empowered me to work many miracles and acts among you. So pretty much what you're saying, I hear you but my father trumps you. He's the one who's empowered me. Church, he is the one who has empowered you. Not your disappointment, not your fear, not your lack of courage, not your, not your anxiety. Your father is the one that has empowered you. He is the one that trumps every single time. Miracles, acts of mercy, and then he challenges for them. Which one of them do you want to stone me for? Oh, I just love him. I read about Jesus and I just go... Oh, don't you just love him? Don't you just love like his response to like, he's just so, like imagine if we said that in like today, like he would just offend so many people and I love it. But in the offense, it's so truth. I hear what you're saying, but I don't really give stuff because my father's empowered me. So what are you going to do? What is the world going to do, church? What are, what are they going to do? Because so much of why we don't step out is because we have fear. We're going to talk about fear in a little bit. So many of the reasons of why we don't reach out, why we don't step out is because of disappointment and because of fear. Honestly, what are they going to do? Your father trumps it every single time. Your God who has saved you, who was the one who reached down and picked you up out of the muddy dirty water and said, I will put a clean robe on you and I will clean you up because I love you. That God trumps it every time. He trumps the family member that always tries to have an argument with you about your beliefs. He trumps the workplace person who always teases you and goes, oh, did you go to church today? He trumps the person who when you ask to pray for them and they say no. He trumps them every single time. We need to not live in fear. We need to not live bound by what people are saying and accusing us of, if we've been empowered by the Father, go get him, church. You are free and set free to release your goodies all over the world with the grace of God, with the you and the Father, because what are they going to do? And even Jesus, when he said it, okay, so you're going to stone me. For which one? Because there was so many. And I love that. I love that he had so many that he could say, which one? If anyone accused us of anything, could they even accuse us of anything? Are we doing enough? Are we praying enough? Are we stepping out in boldness enough for anyone to even accuse you of anything? It's another conversation. What is our assignment? And we can look at it and we can go, yeah, Charlotte, but that's Jesus. He was fully man and fully God. It's a little bit different. Well, it's not really because in Matthew 10 verse 5 it says, this is when Jesus is sending out his 12. 
And this is a message version. He says, and this is to you this morning. It's not, don't ever think that it was just for back then. It was just, it was just that moment. It was just that time frame. This is for us this morning, church. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. And what are you supposed to do, church? Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchables and kick out the demons. Why? Because you have been treated generously. So live generously. Don't think that you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment because you are the equipment. You, I love that. All you need to keep going is three meals a day and to travel light. Jesus just keeps it so simple. And I love that he says, I love that he knows us. I love that he's like, okay, so I'm giving you this charge. But no doubt that some of you, and this would be me 100% because I'm a planner, will be like, okay, Jesus, I hear you. I'm just going to go and do like a plan and a spreadsheet and try and organize. I'll do a fundraising campaign. I'll try and work it out. I'm going to go and pack my bags. I'm going to pack all this stuff. I have to write a list of what I need to pack. And he knows. He knows. He says it. He says it. He already knows it because he knows that this is what people do. They think that they need to be so organized or so prepared or so perfect before God can use you. And you don't. Why? Because you don't need a lot of equipment. You are it. You are it. Your mouth is it. Your hands are it. Your spirit, your light, you are it. You don't need to be trained. You don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to go to Bible college. You're enough. You and your father are enough. You are it. That's it. Don't overprepare. Don't overthink about it. When you're there in your workplace, you are the equipment. When you're in your family and there's brokenness, you are the equipment. When you can hear the domestic violence fight that's going on next door, you are the equipment. You don't have to be an overthinker. You don't have to try and reason with it and work it out. You are it. You and God. That's it. So beautiful and so simple. I love it. Down in verse 19, it says, But when they deliver you up, do not be anxious about how or what you are to speak. For what you are to say will be given to you in that very hour and moment. For it is not you who are speaking, but the Spirit of your Father is speaking through you. I love that Jesus addresses that. He addresses everything. He's just so beautiful and just so, knows us so well. And even in his knowing us, even in his knowing our failures and our flaws, and he goes through and he's like, I know you're going to think this. I know you're going to think this. I know. And he addresses it and he addresses it and addresses it. He still wants to use us. How beautiful is he that he knows that we would overplan, that he knows that we would overthink, that he knows that we would be fearful, that we wouldn't know what to say. He knows. He knows exactly in your head right now, church, what your thoughts are, what your processes are. And he says, it's all good. He deals with it. He deals with it. He deals with it. He deals with it. And then he says, and I still want to use you. I'm still sending you. I'm still sending you. You are the equipment. You are enough. You and me, we got this. It's enough. It's all good. It's fine. And he knows. I love that he knows. I love that he knows that we're going to freak out about what to say. And he says, it's all good. It's not you who are speaking anyway. The spirit of your father will speak in that moment that you need it. We don't need to be anxious. It's not about us anyway. What is stopping us? Like I said, fear, discouragement, all of these things. 
I love that Jesus was never fearful. We never see a moment of Jesus responding in fear ever. He was never moved by fear. He was moved, yes, but he was moved by his Father. He was moved by the Father's heart into action. And I'm just going to read through some examples. So in Matthew 15, when he was about to feed the 5,000, it says he was moved when they had nothing to eat because they had been with him for three days. He was moved. In Luke 7, when the military captain came and asked him to heal his son, and he said, Jesus, you can send me and I know that you'll just, you'll do it. You don't have to actually come. It said that he was moved at his faith and then he healed his son. Later on, there was a funeral procession that Jesus walked past. Jesus wasn't even a part of it. In Luke 17, sorry, Luke 7, he walked past this funeral procession and he saw a weeping mother because she had just lost her son. It says that Jesus was moved and so he healed her son and he raised him from the, she, he raised him from the dead. In Matthew 14, it said he felt compassion and he was moved with compassion on the people who were around him and he healed their sick. In Matthew 20, there was two blind men that were calling out to Jesus and his disciples says, Shh, be quiet, be quiet, you're disrupting Jesus. And Jesus turns to the two blind men and because they shouted even louder, even when they were told to shush. And it says that Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed their sight. The only thing that Jesus was ever moved by, church, was compassion. The only thing that he was ever moved by was faith. We have these two, we have these examples here when it says he was moved by faith and he was moved by compassion. How many times are we always just moved by fear? Whenever you're moved by fear, though, it results in you being stationary. If ever you're moved by fear, the result is the opposite. You're actually never moved. You stop. Jesus was never moved by fear. He knew the Father. He knew the Father's heart. There was that intimacy that he always was moved and he was moved out of compassion and out of faith. So if ever we can see an example of Jesus, what are you moved by, church? What moved you this week? Were you so busy that you actually didn't even get moved? Were you so focused on maybe the bills or the, or the life? Or the, like, do you allow yourself to be moved, to be moved by God, to be moved not just in a thought of, oh, that's really sad, but to be moved into action? Jesus, whenever it says that he was moved, when it says he was moved by their faith, he marveled at their faith, he was moved with compassion, it always resulted in an action. It always resulted in Jesus establishing the kingdom on earth. It always resulted in him showing God's power and love and truth in that situation. We need to allow ourselves to be moved so that we can step out with boldness and courage. If you're ever afraid, we talk about what's stopping you, fear. You know, fear of man is a replacement for fear of God. If you're ever afraid of man, you've put man in the place where God should be. In the Bible, one of the most common commandments is do not fear because he knew it was going to be one of our weaknesses. And again, oh, our God is so beautiful and wonderful. He knows. So he reminds us in Scripture, do not fear. Have I not commanded you? Do not fear. Do not fear. Be bold and courageous. Do not fear. And it's all throughout Scripture because he knew. He knew it was going to be something that we would struggle with. He knew that it would be something that we would have to have this constant wrestle. But he says, do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. When you become afraid, that's when you lose sight of him. The only time that you're fearful, the only time that you 
stop in fear is because when you actually lose sight of him, it becomes more about you. It becomes more about your insecurities. It becomes more about that awkward moment of asking to pray for someone. And you're not moved, you stop. Because it doesn't become about him anymore. It doesn't become about his will. It doesn't become about establishing kingdom on earth. It becomes about your own fear. It says that perfect love drives out all fear. How do you be courageous, church? We're talking about revival culture is courageous culture. How do you be courageous? You have to go back to that first thing that we talked about. Jesus knew the Father. He knew the Father. And in knowing the Father, he knew love. Perfect love drives out all fear. Perfect love is the thing that compels courage, that compels boldness. Because when you know that you are surrounded in perfect love, that is something that you can be courageous about. That is something that you can be aggressive about in the best possible way. I'm going to just read this. I'm just going to go to slide 10, Troy. Sorry, I'm skipping ahead for just one second. It's a quote by Bill Johnson. I just want to read this out. Heaven is filled with absolute perfect confidence in God. This world is filled with absolute mistrust. And you and I will always reflect the nature of the world we are most aware of. What you live conscious of is what you will reproduce in the world around you. I try to live in such a way that nothing ever gets bigger in my awareness than my conscious awareness of the presence of God. We're talking about that theme of fear versus courage. That in the kingdom, there is absolute, 100% confidence in God. There is no mistrust. There is no fear. But we always project and we always live in the world and the state and the atmosphere that we're most aware of. So I want to ask us, Celebration Church, what are you most aware of this morning? Are you aware of him? Are you aware of his presence? Are you aware of his truth? Are you aware of his kingdom? Or are you aware of fear, rejection, failure, disappointment? Fear of men. What are people going to say? What are people going to think? Because that is going to be reflected in what you do, how you live your life, what you speak, how you work out of what God has given you to do, whether you do what God has given you to do. In Philippians 1 verse 28, it says, this is so cool. And then you will never be shaken or intimidated by the opposition that rises up against us. For your courage will only prove as a sure sign from God of their coming destruction and that you have found new life. Let me read that again because it's actually so good. And this is Paul talking. And he's doing like it's just the sign off at the end of one of his um, letters. And I love that he says this. He says, you will never be shaken or intimidated by the opposition, which means what? You'll never be fearful. Yeah, you'll never have fear, church. And he's talking to the church. So he's talking to us this morning. And then it says, your courage will only prove as a sure sign from God of their coming destruction. So your courage, when you are courageous, when you are bold, it proves to the enemy that he's lost. It proves his destruction. When the world sees that you are not fearful of opposition, but you are courageous and bold in your faith, it is like a megaphone shouting to the enemy, you've lost, ha ha, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> like it's honestly like a, just a sign for him. 
when you are moved with compassion, when you are moved out of a faith of what God can do, when you are moved out of an expectation of him invading your situation and bringing kingdom to earth, when you actually step out and you are revival culture church, it is like a slap with a wet fish in the face to the devil. You're getting that mullet and you're slapping it all around up there and being like sucked in, you're defeated, you've lost, I'm not staying stagnant, I'm not staying still, I'm not staying quiet because he's won. Jesus has won. It's done. It's over. Who cares? Honestly, who cares? It's so good. It is actually so good, but we don't get it, do we? Because we hear it here and we go, yay. And then we go and we see that person with a walking stick on the street or with a broken leg and we go, and fear stops you. You're moved by fear, which stops. And you forget, and you forget that God has given you. It says, let's go back to what Jesus, what he said to Jesus. Jesus was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit, with great power. Celebration, church. You are anointed by God with the Holy Spirit, with great power. Jesus was our example. His life wasn't just something that we should look at and go, Yay, Jesus. It's actually something that we can go, Jesus, that was you. That was your example of what somebody who in intimate relationship with God can do. That's for us. That's for you. It's not just for Jesus to just do and then that's it. He didn't go through everything that he went through. He didn't show us and be an example in all the signs and wonders so that you could come and sit in church. That's not why Jesus did what he did. (laughs) This is an added bonus that we get to celebrate with our church family. This is an added yay moment that we get to say we can come together as a church and celebrate. I'm not saying church is bad, but church was not the goal to Jesus. For you to sit comfortably, it was not the goal. I've got a quote. Jesus didn't go through all he went through and set an example for us in his miracles so that we could simply just go to church. He did so so that we had an understanding of the power that is within us and that our mission is to bring kingdom culture to earth as he did. As he did. I love church. I wouldn't be here if I didn't. But this is not my goal. This is not it. The goal is for us to have an understanding of the power that is within us. The power. It's not just something that's like, I don't know, a tissue. (laughs) It's a big bulldozer wrecking ball of power. It's not something small that you're like, where's a tissue? (laughs) Let me get a tissue. It's not something that you're like, oh, just the power of God. I just, I pray for your sickness with the power. It's just, it's just something like it's just the power. And it's light and it's fluffy and it's airy. The power of God has the ability to change and transform and restore and bring healing and raise the dead and have bones grow and limbs grow and have blind people healed. Like that is the power And it's not just a power that's out there and it's not just a power that is Jesus. It's a power that's in you. As you sit there this morning, every single one of you, ah, this is so good. If you sit there this morning and you have received Jesus and you believe, that power is in you. 
right now. A well of power, of kingdom, of God in you. It's not just in me. You don't have to come and get prayer from me and have a special touch from the pastor with the power. Like, it's in you. It's actually in you in this moment as you sit and as you breathe. The only thing that stops you is your fear and your disappointment, which we know we've just read is not kingdom. When you know the Father, when you know His will, of course you can be courageous. We declared this year was raw, knowing who you are and what you bring. We are in the end of November, church. Are we roaring? Some people are. Because it's a choice, but it's in you as you sit there, as you breathe. And I hope, oh God, I hope that this is stirring something because when you know God, when you know him, when you have a relationship with him and you sit with him, I can't look at all the ice addiction in my city and think that that is okay. I can't look at all of the suicide rates that are coming through with schools and think that that is okay. I can't look at all of the anxiety and all of the mental breakdowns that are happening just in my school, in my workplace, and think that that is okay. I have the power. I got the power. Um, But I have that in me. A hundred percent. And so do you. Raw, church. Raw. You are called and chosen for this time and this season. Jesus is not just a good guy who did great things. He is our example. And if the proof of his miracles showed the world at that time who he was, I challenge us. We've got a lot to live up to. We've got a lot of work to do. Because what we're doing is proof to our friends, to our family, how you live your life is proof about what you actually believe. Let it not be fear. Let it not be fear in Jesus' name. Jesus knew his father so he could know his will. His will produced miracles and that was proof of who he was. Let me say it again because this is us. Jesus knew his father so he could know his father's will. His Father's will then produced miracles and that was proof to the world of who He was. Celebration Church, when you know the Father, you know the Father's will. You step out in the supernatural and you see God move and do miracles and then it shows the world who He is. Not who you are, who He is. That's the progression when you realise the power is sitting, bubbling, shaking within you right now as I speak. There is no special chosen people. It's in everyone. God is not selective. He's not selective. He's not, he doesn't say it's just for this group of people and it's not for this group. Every single one of you have the ability this morning to access that power and to be courageous and bold and see revival. A hundred percent. I believe it without a doubt. Without a doubt. Why don't you just close your eyes for me where you're at? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. 
You have to know him first. You have to know his love first to drive out the fear, to drive out the discouragement, to drive out the disappointment. Father, just come and help us this morning. Come and help us this morning. Come and help me this morning. (laughs) That just as we're sitting here in this moment, that you would give give us a revelation just beyond what we've known before, God, actually fresh revelation of the power that is within us because of who you are. God, that you want that progression of us knowing you, knowing your will, stepping out in the supernatural and then seeing the world respond to you because they see who you are. You want that progression, God. And just as we sit here, Holy Spirit, I ask for for breakthrough right now in people, for the fear and the disappointment to just break off, God, that they'll realise that it's not of you, that that's not who you've called them to be, that that's not who you've called them to operate as. But God, you've called them to be bold and courageous sons and daughters, working with you and allowing you to work through them. That That is your heart, that is your desire. Overwhelm us, God. I pray that we'll just get such a fresh revelation of your love and of your power that it results in the most unusual courage and the most outrageous courage that you surprise us and you shock us with what you're about to do in and through us, God, that we would actually stand back and be amazed because you have taken control as you should of our lives again, God. Let it not be moved by fear, but that we be moved by you and your heart, God. So Father, as we just, as we, it was, we're gonna go into a time of worship. And I just ask Holy Spirit that you just break out, that that rumbling that I saw at the beginning just becomes such an earthquake in this place. In Jesus' name. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.